Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. I have a couple of um, testimonies that I want to share with you this morning. How many understand that testimonies are so important and they're so valuable? Um, in the Old Testament, they would set up pillars, and the pillars were to remind them of what God had done. And so when the, even when the future generations would come that weren't there when God parted the Red Sea, the, you know, the little children would come and say, Dad, what's that pillar for? And the, the, the father would say, that is to remind us when God opened up the Red Sea and we walked through on dry ground. Amen? So testimonies are important, and we need to have those pillars in our life that we remind ourselves of what God has done. There's a really cool scripture. I think it's in Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 119.99, and David says, I have more insight than all of my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. It says, I have more wisdom than all my teachers because the testimony of God is my meditation. You want more wisdom? Rehearse your testimony. Live on testimonies. Amen? So testimonies are the record of what God's done in our life, and we want to um, hold those close, even the small things. And I just wanted to share a couple of, of small things that God, done, uh, God did in my life this week. Um, we had, I think it was Tuesday night, our neighbors decided to get a dog, I guess. And uh, they put their dog outside at night, this first Tuesday night, and the worst sound I think I've ever heard coming from an animal, yelping all night long, and very large dog, just loud all night long. And it's like, it, it sounded like there was this dog outside of my sliding glass door right by our bedroom, just yelping all night long. And so, you know, I slept, we, you know, did our best to sleep through it. And even my son in the morning, he's like, Dad, I couldn't sleep because of that dog. And so night number two, you know, I'm like, okay, hopefully they're t- take, they took care of this, you know. Night number two starts, the Holland starts about 10 a.m. and or 10 at night and just goes all through the night, uh, yelping and howling again, right? And so the, the third night three, I've had it. Like, I'm like, this is, I'm going to go and talk to them, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it in a nice way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation, right? So I'm literally getting ready to go over to their house. And I'm like walking t- to their house. And I I stopped. Remember when I talked about hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit wants to have friendship with us, fellowship with us, and we can speak to him and talk to him as a friend. So as I'm walking over there, I said, Holy Spirit, am I supposed to do this? And I heard a very clear no. So I was like, okay. I mean, I was ready. I had my speech ready to go, everything I was going to say. I was like, okay. I trust you, God. So... That's the last time I heard the dog. He has not barked since then. <laughs> so, God, thank you, Jesus. So, you know, God is good. You know, I don't know why he told me not to go. But I mean, obviously, he'd taken care of it. But, you know, even God wants to avoid us from, you know, even just awkward things that might be an awkward thing later between my neighbor and I that didn't have to be. You know, God took care of it. So he wants to speak to us even in the little things. And I had an amazing dream. It was on Friday night, too, that I just wanted to share with you. And I don't get dreams like this all the time. I wish I, wish I got more dreams like this. God, send more of these types of dreams. But this lady in the dream, um, she came up to me, and she had, like, uh, like, almost like a green tint on her skin. It was like her skin was green, and it was dry. And she was, you could tell she was tormented by this skin issue that she had, and it was her whole body. 
And um, I prayed for her, and she was healed. And, like, I could tell in the dream that God was touching her. And I could see, I watched her skin turn, like, from a green tint to a red tint. And I, in the dream, I was just in awe. Like, she, was, she was just knew God was touching her. I was just in awe of God, and I was on my face in the dream, just weeping, just thanking God for, like, how good he is and how amazing he is. And so I, I wanted to release that. If you have a, a skin issue, um, please come up after service. I'd love to just pray for you. I don't know if that's specifically for someone or if it's just to encourage me for someone down the road. But it was very real, and uh, God is so good, and he does want to speak to you in dreams. One-third of your life you spend asleep. Do you think God's going to leave you alone for one-third of your life? He wants to speak to you. He'll speak to you in your dreams. Amen? Write them down. My wife is always the big proponent of this. Write your dreams down. Write them down. Write them down. She's got journals filled full of dreams. And we've been led. So many amazing things have happened to us, happened to us in our life from just hearing from the Lord through dreams. So I just wanted to encourage you in that. The title of the message today is Knowing God as Father. Knowing God as Father. I loved uh, this morning, I know a lot, of, a lot of you were here this morning for uh, the grace message, uh, the growth track that Joy spoke. And it's so important to understand grace, and God wants us to know him as a father. He doesn't want us to relate to him through law. He doesn't want us to relate to him as a taskmaster, as a boss. He wants us to know him and to relate to him as a father. He is a father, so I want to read this scripture to you. It's John chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 7 through 9. We might have it for the screens. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is, and it, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory, God, that's in this place. We thank you, Jesus, that you're such an amazing Savior. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you just have your way in this place this morning. We want to know you, God, as Father. God, we don't want to relate to you in any other way but knowing you as the good Father that you are. And so, God, I just pray right now that even you're just preparing hearts to receive you this morning in a deeper way as Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did he come to the earth? In Isaiah 61, Isaiah prophesied, and later in Luke 4, Jesus stands up and he reads this passage. And in that passage, he says, I've come to set the captives free. So one of the reasons that Jesus came is to set the captives free. And in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says that Jesus came so that all might be saved through him. Jesus says in John 12 that he came to bring light into the world. To Pilate, Jesus said, I've come to testify of the truth. In 1 John, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The angels, when they announced the coming of Christ in Luke, verse, or Luke chapter 2, 
they announced that Jesus had come to bring good news and great joy for all people. Jesus said in Matthew that he came to fulfill the law. Joy touched on that this morning. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Why did he come to fulfill the law? Because man was hopelessly incapable of filling the law. The law separated man from God and the relationship that man had with God in the garden and the law separated man from God and, the, and Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and he attained righteousness according to the law and then he freely gives righteousness to all who believe in him. Amen? So Jesus came to fulfill the law, to perform it perfectly, to become that final spotless lamb. Then Paul says in 1 Timothy that he came to give his life as a ransom for all. So all, all these things are, are so amazing and we can celebrate all these things that Jesus did and the reasons that he came. But all of these point back to one main purpose of why Jesus came. All of those things point to one thing and that's Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He came to show us this is what the Father is like. That's why if you have a belief about God that we, you can't see in the scripture in Jesus, you have reason to believe that's probably not how God really is. If you don't see it in Jesus, then it's not who God is. He's, he's the perfect reflection of God. He came to show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus would heal the sick to reveal the father's love for his sons and daughters. What father in the room, if their son or daughter had a, had a sickness and we had the power to cure it, wouldn't cure it? We all would cure it, amen? Jesus would heal everyone he went, everyone who came to him because he was showing them the heart of the father to heal, to make whole his sons, to make whole his daughters. Jesus would deliver those who were demonized to reveal a father's desire to see his sons and daughters free. He wants his sons and daughters free. So Jesus demonstrated this as he would go and he would encounter people who were demonized. He would drive out the demons and set them free, revealing the father's heart to set his children free. Jesus came so that all might be saved, to reveal the father's heart. The father's heart is that all may be saved, that all would come to him. It says in 1 John, it's not his desire that any should perish, but that all should come and be saved. Jesus came to bring light into the world. That light is the truth of God's love. The truth that God is not a taskmaster, that he's not a God of judgment, that he's a God of love. Jesus said, I, came to, I come to testify of the truth. What truth? The truth of the Father, that God is a loving Father, and he wants to be reunited with his children. Jesus said, I come to destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because it's God's heart to destroy the works of the devil, to set free those who are oppressed, to release his children from torment and to set them free. Jesus said, I, came to, I come to bring good news, or the angels declared, he's coming to bring good news that would be great joy for all the people. What's the good news? God is our father. That's the good news. God is our father. And Jesus made a way to restore us back to a perfect relationship with our amazing, loving Father who looks at us with such amazing, powerful, life-changing love. God is a father. This is the good news that Jesus came to bring. He came to show us the father. He came to give us great joy. And Jesus came 
to fulfill the law, to restore a perfect relationship between God the Father and his children. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for all. The Father sent his son to die so that all his sons, all his daughters would be reunited with him in perfect fellowship. Jesus came to reveal an amazing, loving, gracious God who wants you to know him as Father. This is so important. He wants you to know him as father. I don't know what kind of a a relationship you had with your earthly father, but we tend to see God through a lens of what our earthly father was like. And I, I hope you all had amazing fathers, but I know that that's not true for all of us. And we need to stop seeing God through this lens of how our father related to us, and we need to see him. He is a good father. He has only good things for you. He has only good plans, good purposes for you. He always has your best in mind. And he gave up Jesus, his most precious possession, to reunite your heart back to his heart. They didn't know God as Father in the Old Testament. This was a a big revelation that Jesus came to bring. They didn't understand and they didn't see God as Father in the Old Testament. Even God himself in Genesis 28, 13, he speaks to Jacob. This is in the passage where it talks about Jacob's ladder dream where he has the dream that the ladder is coming down and and touching heaven. And we know that it's a representation of God bringing heaven to earth and the angels are ascending and descending. And he says to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie, I will give it to your descendants. Notice God didn't identify himself as a father to Jacob. He didn't say, I'm the father of your father or I'm your father. He said, I'm the God of your father. He hadn't yet identified himself. And we need to go past just seeing ourselves as, or just seeing God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we need to go past that and see God as our father. We need to see God as a father. This is typical throughout the Old Testament. God isn't revealed of or spoken of as a father that much in the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms, it's a very unique book. I love the Psalms. It's a collection of songs and hymns, and sometimes David is singing praise songs, and sometimes he's singing the blues. There's a lot of blues songs in there. For us musicians, we see some blues songs. And what makes the Psalms even more interesting is there's many prophetic passages in the Psalms. So it's not just the songs and and David crying out to the Lord, but some of the songs that he's singing are actually, he's prophesying major events that are coming, specifically Christ and what he's going to do. The words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David spoke those a thousand years before Jesus came to the earth. And he was prophesying about Christ. And so there's one verse. So you know Psalms is a huge book. There's one verse in Psalms. This is the only verse like this in the entire book of Psalms. And it's God speaking prophetically through David about David. And he says this, He will cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. There's no other verse like it in all of Psalms. This is the one verse where he alludes to God as father, God was giving David a glimpse of what's to come, and he was giving him a glimpse of who he is. He's like, I'm not just God, I'm your father. I'm your father. Sorry, Star Wars just popped in my head. 
Luke, I am your father. <laughs> I was just debating. Should I say it? Sorry, it just came out. It's the checkered vans. It's, that's what's happening. Oh, boy. Okay, where am I at? So that was the only verse like that in the Psalms where God is giving David revelation that I'm a father. Isaiah 63, verse 16. It says, for you are our father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not recognize us. You, O Lord, are our father, our redeemer from old is your name. This is one of two verses in Isaiah where it says God is a father. And it's one of about five in the entire New Testament. And again, this is Isaiah. This is prophetic scripture. He's revealing something to Isaiah that they don't know yet. So in John chapter 8, there were some Pharisees confronting Jesus. John chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 41 and 42. So right now, Jesus is getting ready to tell the Pharisees that their father is the devil, which, as you can imagine, it doesn't go over quite well. So verse 41, Jesus says, You are doing the deeds of your father, they said to him, we were, born of we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now this is a really interesting thing for them to say because you won't see scripture like this anywhere in the Old Testament. You don't see scripture where someone calls God their father anywhere in the Old Testament. So I surmise that they're even, they knew the scriptures really well. So I'm surmising that they even saw that scripture in Isaiah and said, okay, God is a father. So the Pharisees had an intellectual knowledge of God as father. But knowing God as Father is a revelation of the heart and not of the mind. Because we can say it, we can say the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, but we have to have a heart revelation that God is a Father and not just the intellectual knowledge. They had that intellectual knowledge, but they did not understand that God was a Father. Jesus says to them in, in verse 42, he says, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. So there's something here that shows us. They had this intellectual knowledge of God as father. But there's something here in that we have to have the revelation of Jesus Christ to even understand and be able to perceive God as father of who he really is. The Pharisees were rejecting Jesus. And he says, you don't know the father. If you knew the father, you would love me. So we have to have this revelation of Christ. And when we have the, the revelation of Christ, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we now have the ability to start to have the revelation of God as a Father, the true revelation. So God wants to be revealed in your life as your Father. You are a son. You're a son. The matter's been settled. God wants you to know that you're a son. Ladies, are you okay with being called a son? Because men, we have to be okay being called the bride of Christ. So men, we're the bride. Ladies, you're a son. Everybody got it? We're all straight? You're a son. You are a son. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God. Is it on the screens? What does it say? Through doing good works, through being good enough, through trying hard, through faith. You are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus, all your sins were washed away. 
past, present, and future, and you became a son. And you're a son of God through faith. If you get in trouble in your life, remember, you are a son. You're a son. If you've messed up, remember, you're a son. You're a son. God is your father. If your spouse gets angry with you, remember, you're a son. You can respond in those situations as a son. If your boss gets angry with you, <clears throat> excuse me, if your boss gets angry with you, I'm going to take a drink. Remember, you are a son. The economy gets bad. You're a son. God's your father. He's taking care of you. It's not dependent on the economy. If, if the person that you voted for didn't get into office, you're a son. You're a son. Romans 8.15, it's one of my favorite verses, but also Romans 8 in general is just one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. But it says, you have not received a spirit of slavery. There's an actual demonic spirit. It's the spirit of slavery, which tries to convince you that you're an orphan. Tries to convince you that God is your taskmaster and you're God's slave in a, in a negative way. Paul said, I'm not going to go into this today. Paul said, I am a bond servant of Christ. Very different than slave. Those two words are very, very different if you research it out. A servant was taken care of. A servant was actually mostly saved from a life of nothing and taken care of and given shelter and given security. That's what we have with Christ. A slave is, is more of like what we know in American culture, like where they're abused and they're not valued and they're not considered a human. So there's actual spirit of slavery that the enemy will use to torment you, to try to convince you that you have to Earn God's love. Earn his acceptance. Be good enough. So Paul says, you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. So what happens when we have that spirit of slavery? What happens when we don't understand that God's our father and that we're a loved son? We go into fear. We're we become afraid of God. Like, God, I'm afraid of you. If, if I mess up, I'm going to be punished. This is a slave, the life of a slave. If I don't do the right thing, I'm going to be met with punishment. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. When I forget that I'm a son, I tend to behave like a slave. In my marriage, if I forget that I'm a son, I can behave like a slave. When problems come, if I forget that I'm a son... I can behave like a slave. And it sounds like this. I'm on my own. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. I got to work it out. I forget I'm a son. Oh, God's with me. God is actually for me. God is actually coming through on my behalf. I'm his son. When I forget I'm a son, I can act like a slave. When I remember and believe 
that I'm a son, I can respond as a son. I can respond in my marriage as a son. I can respond in life and in problems and in situations as a son. I can respond as a son when the dog is yelping and, and screaming and it's the worst sound you've ever heard. And I'm like, I gotta take care of this. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you don't. No, let me take care of it. When I remember and know that I'm a son, I can respond to people, situations, and problems like a son. Who knows that I'm dearly loved by my dad and my father is much bigger than any situation. He's much bigger than any problem. Romans 8.31, again, Romans 8, one of my favorites. If God is for us, who can be against us? We need to have that revelation. When we see like multiple problems and situations and we feel overwhelmed, we're not understanding how for us God is. When we, when we understand, the more we understand how for us God is, those problems, we're like, wait, who can be against me? God is, God is for me. God is for me. These things, be, these problems get smaller and God gets bigger. And I realize, wait, if God is for me, who can be against me? God is for me. He is my father. A slave has to earn everything that he gets. Anything that he gets, he has to earn it. A son from birth has an inheritance. From birth, they have an inheritance. They didn't do anything to earn it. A slave will obey out of fear of punishment. A son obeys because he knows he's loved. A slave has to earn and fight for acceptance. If I do good enough, if I, if I follow the rules well enough, if I perform well enough, maybe I'll be accepted. A son is born accepted. You're already accepted. You know, my son, Evan, it's like, I love, we were at the party at the Brysackers the other night, and Angela said like, man, Evan just, he just knows that everybody loves him. He's one and a half, he's about a foot and a half tall. And he just walks around like, everybody loves me. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> like, I just, I'm just loved. And, and she made the comment, she's like, when somebody actually rejects him in his life, he's going to know it's their issue and not his. <laughs> like, something's wrong with them. Everybody else loves me. <laughs> That's what it's like to be a son. You're born accepted. You don't have to earn it. You're already loved. You're already accepted. When someone comes against you, you're like, well, there's an issue with them. I'm going to pray for them because it's not me. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm not saying don't take responsibility for your actions, but I'm saying if you know that someone has there's outright, you know, there's an issue with them. A slave has to hide their mistakes. This is a big one. A slave has to hide their mistakes but a son asks for help when they make a mistake. God reminded me of this. I'd kind of forgotten about it, but when I was, I think I was about 19, I got this job and I was working for a, uh, we were a company that 
processed people's billing statements. So we had huge clients. We had like America West was one of our clients. Desert Schools was one of our clients. So we, we printed all their statements. And so I was brand new. I was like three weeks in the job. One of my friends had gotten me the job. And I was really nervous. Like it was just, you know, brand new. I, I wanted to impress them and wanted to do a good job. And one night, I think I was like three weeks in, I printed some statements and it was like, it was, I was working the night shift, so I think I was by myself. And I printed like six boxes like this big of statements. So a huge just amount of paper. And I realized after about four, four hours of printing that I'd done them all wrong. They were all wrong. <clears throat> and I reacted like a slave. I was like, what do I, what do, I do? I don't want anybody to know this. I got <laughs> I gotta hide this. And so I ended up, I had a pickup truck at the time. I loaded them all into my pickup truck. Loaded them, and I end up driving home that night, throwing them into the dumpster, hiding my mistake, right? So a, few, a couple weeks later, my boss came to me. He's like, hey, like somehow he kind of figured out what happened. He's like, hey, all of us have made that kind of mistake. He's like, right over there is the recycling pile. Next time that happens, you just put them right over there. I'm panicking. Like, what am I going to do? Loading them up. Reacting like a slave. A slave has to hide their mistakes, but a son asks for help and they make a mistake. A son knows that when they make a mistake, it doesn't hit their identity. I'm still a son. I made a mistake. I'm still loved. I'm still accepted. You may feel like a slave in your heart, but it's the father's view of you that matters. It's the father's view of you that matters. Remember the prodigal son. What did he say? He said, maybe my dad will just make me a servant. Maybe I'll just be a servant because I'm not worthy to be son. That was his view of himself. I'm not worthy to be a son. Maybe I can just be a servant. Hopefully I can just be the servant. What's the father's view? You're my son. Wrapped him with his coat, put the shoes on his feet, put the ring of identity on his finger. It's like the signet ring. It's like the family credit card. It's like everything I have is still yours. You're my son. Welcomes him back home. It's the father's view that matters. It's the father's view of you that matters. When you go to work, remember you're a son. You're a son. When you go to school, remember, you're a son. You're loved. This is so important. When you do ministry, when you do any type of ministry, remember your son. When we do altar ministry up here, I have to remember I'm a son. I'm not, I can't heal anybody. But I can let the Lord flow through me. It's his job to heal. And I can stand here. When I know that I'm a son and that the healing can come through me, it takes all the pressure off me. I'm a son. I don't have to do this or perform or be good enough. I don't have to worry about, oh man, did I, is there anything I did this week that I have to confess? Because then maybe God wouldn't heal through me. It's like, no, I'm a son. My sin's already taken care of. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to righteousness. Now I just can behave as a son and let the power of God come through me.
when you're with a group of people, you're at a party, remember you're a son. You're a son. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to impress. You're a son. You can be you all the time. In Psalm 67, David says this. It's verse 1. He says, God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. David is saying this, God, let the radiance of your glory, your beauty, your grace, your face, let it shine on me. Let your face shine on me, who you are. Let the reality of sonship sink deep into my heart. Cause your grace to be upon me. Cause your face to shine upon me. And then verse 2 says this, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. God wants his glory, his goodness, his beauty, and he wants the reality of sonship to shine upon you so that all of creation would know who he is. Until we have the revelation, (coughs) until we have the revelation of who we are as sons, All creation can't know who God is. It's when we have a revelation of who we are in Christ that the creation itself starts to see who God is. It's shine, his face shines on us. The reality of who we are as sons shines on us. And then creation begins to see who God is as the father that he is. He wants all of his glory on you. I just felt his glory in worship this morning. He wants his goodness on you, his beauty, and that sonship to be a part of who you are, just knowing I'm a son, I'm loved. God wants you to know him as father. He wants you to know him as father. And it's good to be a son. It's good to be a son. It's really hard to be a slave. It's really hard when you feel like you're a slave, when you're trying to earn it, trying to be good enough, trying to measure up. That's hard. It's hard. It's painful. It's painful to be a slave. It's good to be a son. It's good to be Evan. He just knows I'm loved. I'm already loved. I'm already accepted. Every room I walk into, everybody wants to be my friend. It's good to be a son. It's good to know you have heaven's favor on your life. It's good when you go somewhere, you know that I'm a son. God is with me. He is backing me up right now. It is good to be a son. It's fun to be a son. God wants to have fun with you. But when we're feeling like we don't measure up, like we're a slave, like we're an orphan, we're just trying to perform well enough to be accepted when we, God wants us to get past that and know you're accepted, you're loved. Now have fun with me. Let's go and do things together. Let's bring the kingdom of heaven together everywhere you go. God wants you to step into greater levels of sonship this year. Some of you may know this, like, yeah, I think I kind of get this. And I I feel like I kind of get it too, but I don't get it yet. 
God wants us to step into greater levels of sonship in 2019. Yes, you will accomplish more when you do. But that's not why he wants you to have this revelation. He wants you to step into greater levels of sonship because he wants you to know him as daddy so that he can love you as son, so that he can love you as daughter. So you will accomplish more. You will look like you're doing more. But that's not why God wants you to know him as father. He just wants to have a relationship with you as father-son, father-daughter. Could you stand this morning? just want you to just close your eyes this morning. Romans 8.15 says, you've not received a spirit of slavery that leads to fear again. I just had it on my heart this morning that I'm supposed to break off every spirit of slavery. Some of you know my testimony. I had a spirit of fear and intimidation on my life and I was terrified to speak in front of people, terrified. And when I identified it and realized that it was actually a spiritual issue, I took authority that day and it it left me and never came back. And I feel like the Lord was showing me that there's people here that have a spirit of slavery. You feel like it's you. You feel like it's just, this is just how I am, this is how I'm wired. Like, I just, I don't feel like I'm good enough sometimes. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I feel like I have to earn acceptance, but it's just who I am. When I'm actually telling you that the Lord is showing me that there's people that have an actual spirit. And when that spirit goes, you're not gonna be tormented with those thoughts anymore. You're gonna begin to realize, oh no, I'm a son. I'm accepted, I don't have to perform. It said, for you have not received a spirit of slavery. There is a spirit called slavery and God wants to break it off your life right now. And so you don't have to do anything fancy, but I just want you to receive this morning. So right now, Father God, I just thank you. Luke 10, 19, you said you've given us authority over all the power of the enemy. You've given us authority over all the power of the enemy. So I'm gonna actually gonna, you're gonna do this yourself. You're gonna actually take authority over the spirit of slavery and we can just all do it together. It's very simple. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Jesus empowering the body to do deliverance on yourself. So I'm just gonna lead you in this simple prayer. Jesus, thank you that you've given me authority over all the power of the enemy. Thank you that your word says nothing shall by any means hurt me. Spirit of slavery, I command you, go in Jesus' name. Every orphan spirit, I command you, go in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father God, I just pray an impartation of the spirit of adoption. You said you've not given us a spirit of slavery leading to fear. You've given us a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So God, I just pray your glory is coming right now. The spirit of adoption is just falling upon people right now. Every slavery mentality is coming down in Jesus' name. Every orphan mindset's coming down in Jesus' name. And we're receiving that spirit of sonship, knowing that we're loved knowing that we're already accepted, knowing that sin is taken care of, knowing that we can have fun with you, God. It's time to start having fun with God and stop trying to earn his acceptance and start having fun with him. He wants to have fun with you. So we thank you, Father God, for this revelation. We thank you that you're good. You want sonship. You want to know, you want us to know you as father, daddy, we can cry out to you, Daddy. When we're, when we're lost, when we're confused, we can cry out, Daddy. N knowing that we're a son, Daddy, I need you. When we make a mistake, we can say, Daddy, I need help. When we're feeling insecure, we can say, I'm a son. Dad, remind me that I'm a son. Show me. Deepen my understanding of sonship this year. Jesus. Altar team, could you come forward?